You are Locked On MLB, your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, the number one national daily baseball podcast that you can find on your little earbuds. That was a clumsy beginning. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. On today's episode, which is being dropped on the 20th day of February, oh my God, we're already in late February, we have Brett Chancy, who is the host of Locked On Astros, that's right, the dreaded Astros, an Astros fan. How dare an Astros fan show his face in public? Not only is he showing his face in public, he's joining me right now on the Lockdown MLB podcast, which is available on the free and easy-to-use Himalaya podcasting app. We're also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You know how to listen to podcasts. You're listening to one right now, unless, of course, you're on the site, which is Lockdown MLB. When you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Lockdown MLB, and then keep your hands on the steering wheel. I don't want any accidents out there. Or you can check out some of the other great shows, including Locked On Astros, Locked On Yankees. We had Stacey Gatsoulias just the other day. We've been bringing on a lot of the Locked On hosts. And if you want to follow me, I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. So, Brett Chancey is here. We've been playing a little bit of email tag and Twitter tag and everything like that because I wanted to have him on the show. And he and Eric do a terrific job on Lockdown Astros. Welcome to Lockdown MLB. Hey, Sully, thanks for having me on. It is definitely a pleasure and an honor to be on the flagship MLB Locked On Station. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, us, us little team minions are getting to hang out with the big guy, Sully, today. And yes, um, you know, despite the pariah that my team has become, I've not had one person yell at me, cheater or bang a trash can roguely in my general direction. So I've been pretty, I've been pretty squeaky clean, but you know, it's this new cycle. I'm wondering, Sully, is, is this, is there a blessing in the curse? Yeah, I'll cast it. I picked up, for those of you, I, we're, we're on a video chat. I just happened to pick up a wastebasket nearby. He me did. Hey, did. that's okay. That That's actually really, really good humor. And here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Bottom line is, um, you love baseball. I love baseball, but this is a kid's game and grown men get to play the kid's game for millions of dollars. Yeah. And I can tell you from an Astros fan perspective, I know everybody thinks that Astros fans are all about apologetics and we're just going to, what about this? And they do this. Bottom line is there were rules that were broken. Our guys broke the rules. But what I think has happened is you have, um, have a Pandora's box that has been opened. Um, and I tell you that I think the seeds of this um, are rooted in MLB as the seeds of the steroid scandal were rooted in MLB, and that I believe the problem was exacerbated by Major League Baseball. Not saying it's Major League Baseball's fault. No, but but you know what I'm saying. I, I do, and I and I'm glad you actually jumped ahead to something I did oh, want sorry. to talk. About. No, no, it's fine, fine. I said to you, would, yeah, uh, I intentionally uh, didn't give you my notes ahead of time. I wanted to see where this conversation would go. Um, I, I I do agree with you, um, and I think that there's a lot of things that have been made worse by how it's been handled, not just by the Astros, but also by, by Manfred has couldn't possibly have handled this worse. 
Uh, I think that it is it's put players in a strange position and put the game in a strange position where if there is no deterrent or if there's no punishment or anything like that, you put the players who aren't cheating in a bad place. And it does remind me, and I mentioned this on a previous episode, it does remind me of what happened under PEDs, which was the players were protected by the players association. The owners did not want this to happen. They were, they were just fine with everyone injecting Lord knows what into their bodies because the turnstiles kept kicking. And that it, there was a sense that the players who weren't doing it were in a position where they almost had to do it in order to keep up because there was what deterrent was there. And the thing that, that look at, it, it, was there cheating going on? Yes. And when this, the news of this first broke, any people who listen to the show might remember my stance was it was kind of funny i thought it was kind of amusing and i said hey whatever the punishment is the punishment is and hmm. you know they're caught cheating and there you go and let's move on uh and that i think that's what it could have been except i think everyone's handled it as horrifically as possible and that's why this story which should have been over in christmas time is taken over spring training no, it is. I mean, I mean, whenever steroids hit baseball, um, you didn't, you know, if you or I were on the same team and let's say, let's say I was using steroids cause you're the 40 home run guy. I'm the 15 home run guy. Well, someone on our team who knows that we're both doing steroids, isn't going to go to the media and yell yeah. because he knows because everybody had somebody on their team doing something in some way being enhanced but now you have players like lashing out at each other and now we're finding that this onion that's being peeled back is not just the single layer of the houston astros but that there is so much talk and Sully, i can tell you i have friends that now you know i'm a real big guy like i hate when someone says unconfirmed sources have tell me but i have very good friends of mine who who do have some connections with major league baseball and there are there's a common theme right now that about eight or nine teams have also been kind of involved in some of the same things and that's where i think major league baseball when they introduce technology the way they have mm -hmm. also i read an article today 40 to 50 scouting cameras at every game i mean the sky's the limit with this what right. is what what is to hold you back as a manager what is to hold me back as a player of trying to get that competitive edge if i feel like other people are doing it. And again, let me make this disclaimer because I know we're like Astros fans are getting labeled improperly. Right. That, that we're just out here trying to say, well, just because they're doing it, it's okay that we did it. I don't, I don't say it's okay, mm -hmm. but it is not just a singular issue. And for major league baseball, that I think is the worst case scenario because attendance hasn't it been declining the last few years. Yeah. I think there are other factors behind that as well. Right. Um, I think that one of the reasons why uh, it's very clear that that Manfred and a lot of people wanted this to go away after the resigning of of Hinch and of Cara and of Beltran and of um, Lunau, and it was very it was very clear that they're hoping ah, that that ah, we're done, story's over, you know. And I think that anyone with a set of eyeballs can see that it isn't just this isn't just the criminal mastermind of 
Carlos Beltran and, and Alex Cora and and two people who no doubt did something and and certainly was worthy of punishment. But when you see people doing things like uh, don't look at that, don't ask questions about that. No, we're done. No, we're done. We're done. Right. It strikes me that it's someone who doesn't want you pulling out a lot of loose strings on a sweater that they're afraid of how it could unravel. I've been, I I said this in November, this is so anyone, I make no bones about the fact that I'm a native New Englander. I've been very vocal about the fact that I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. And I said back in November, I have absolutely, it would not stun me in the slightest if the Red Sox were doing it because Mm -hmm. they went from being a good team. I mean, they won the division the previous two seasons. And it's not like they were schmucks, but they went from being a good team to suddenly winning more games than any team in the history of the Boston Red Sox and steamrolling three excellent teams, the Yankees, uh, your Astros, and then right. the Los Angeles Dodgers, losing a grand total of three games. And, uh, you know, I were they, were they doing the exact same thing? Probably not. But – uh, they were probably doing something. It would not if we find out the 2018 title was filled with all sorts of shenanigans. So there was already the the talk of the previous year of using the Apple Watch technology. It wouldn't stun me in the slightest. But it also right. wouldn't stun me. I mean, a step on you there. But I want to finish the. I want to finish the point of agreeing no, with you're you, good. Yeah, you're which good. is uh, it would not stun me if this was a much bigger thing than we thought similar to when steroids started breaking out. I was like, Oh, it's, it's Conseco Maguire and uh, Giambi. No, it's, it, it was probably more and more people. And if you find there's a way to get an edge and there's no deterrent and there's no punishment, then why wouldn't a, a team do it, you know, beyond just the honor of it, that people are always trying to get a competitive edge, whether it's corking a bat or injecting horse, bile into their bodies or using the cameras to steal someone's signs. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it just seems like, I know everybody's been like, when is the Red Sox thing coming out? When is the Red Sox thing coming out? Pretty and, soon, I bet. <laughs> well, um, I actually heard today, and I don't know if you want to mark my words on this, but I hear we're supposed to hear something within two weeks. And the reason why there is a delay is because there's a lot more that has come out um, that or, or that they've uncovered from what their initial findings were. I don't know. I, I don't even know what that means, Sully, yeah. to be honest with you. I just know that you have laid open a sore that really started back in the 50s from we start hearing about the shot heard around the world and oh, the yeah. telescope. I mean, so to me, to me, what bothers me the most is all of the outrage. It's like, come on, when LeBron James is chiming in about the outrage of cheating, I get it from a competitive standpoint. But to me, we come across as these um, petulant children who we've learned if we whine and complain enough, we'll get our way. And All right, right, I'll let you you finish, but then I'll I'll counter that. I will counter that. And... And I just, I just feel like we, we live in a time where we are trying to find the next got you. Or if someone's successful, um, okay, how can we bring them down? And, and that is a true, raw, from the heart, Houston sports fan emotion. I, I, but what I will say is that when there is a legit gotcha, 
if someone was breaking the rules, then that's not unfair to say, well, wait a minute, you broke the rules and you profited from it and you succeeded from it. That And then you say, and you won't get punished for it. I could see why there would be anger and say, wait a minute, that's, but that's not fair. And that's that you broke the rules and your punishment is nothing. I mean, let's face it, the punishment was nothing. No, that makes uh, sense. No, that, so, that is perfectly fair. And so uh, I, I, I do agree that we sometimes live in a world where, where we're looking for the next enemy, but that doesn't mean that if you commit a crime or you commit an infraction, then if you got away with it, yeah, that, that will, uh, you know, that causes issues from people, especially when this organization has been strutting around like we're smarter than everyone. We did the rebuild better than everyone. We put together the better team. We have the better farm system. I'm like, yeah. And you've also, well, you also were caught cheating. I mean, I'm not, even though I'm a native New Englander, I could possibly care less about the Patriots, but you saw that same anger going on of all the different ways that the Patriots cheated over the years. And again, I don't, I don't, do not care at all about football. I really don't. And and the last time the Patriots were in the Super Bowl, I don't even think I watched it. That doesn't make me a better person than you, but that just means it's it doesn't it doesn't matter. But I know a lot of people have been equating the two, and I do remember sitting in the sidelines going, "Yeah, I can understand if the organization that keeps winning and walks around like they're smarter than everyone else is like, yeah, and you're also breaking rules and and essentially not getting punished for it." Now that makes sense. Uh, yeah, that, that 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 I think is beyond just outrage culture. I think that's like no, that's that's grounds for outrage, and and I feel the same way as a Red Sox fan. If they find out that Cora and company were uh, doing the wrong things, I'd say, yeah, you got to punish them. And in fact, I want to hold that as a cliffhanger for the second half of this uh, particular podcast. But with you on the phone. Right here and now, Mr. Brett Chancy, I want to take advantage to talk about League Commission. This is going to be the Fantasy Minute, which is brought to you by League Commission. And I want to talk about an Astro who I find somewhat intriguing going into this year. Not Altuve, not Correa, but I want to ask you your thoughts on Josh Reddick. Josh Reddick, who had uh, what he had an orthoscopic surgery on his left shoulder after the World Series. He yes. had a down year last year on a lot of his stats, although his average was up. Um, actually, you know, he had a better year in 2019 than he did in 2018, but his power numbers were down. He no longer seems to be the borderline all-star that he was when he was playing with Oakland. But do you think that going into this upcoming year that with his shoulder situation taken care of and it being a contract year for the 32-year-old who might be looking at this as his final payday. What do you think about Josh Reddick as a possible bounce-back candidate or at least a sleeper in one of the later rounds? You know, the only hurdle I see to that bounce-back campaign is Kyle Tucker. Mm. Um, there is a true battle in right field for the Houston Astros starting lineup in that position. And if you remember, I don't know if you remember how he injured that shoulder. He ran into the glove of Pete Alonzo in spring training. Oh, I actually didn't and remember he, that. Yes, he injured that. And he said it was like running into a Mack truck. <laughs> and he said, although I'm not going to make excuses because he's a no frills guy. He doesn't make excuses for himself. 
I know his value overall fantasy-wise, if you're looking at paid leagues, is pretty low. Mm-hmm. But Josh Reddick right now is fired up. Like, he's telling people, you know what, we're going we're gonna to put this stuff behind us. We're just going to go out there, and we're going to go, you know what, blank and win the whole thing. And so he's on fire. When Kyle Tucker – and this is why I think he could be a good sleeper. When Kyle Tucker came up last year at the end of the season – Josh Reddick caught fire. He was hitting almost 500 when Kyle Tucker came up. He was playing like a man who was going to lose his job. And, you know, he just became a father of two boys, and that changes you. And so I think he's a good candidate because he's going to have to compete every day to stay out on the field. Kyle Tucker, we know, is the future in right field. But this year, this is a make-or-break year for Josh Reddick. I think he could be a sleeper, and he his power numbers, I think, will go back up. But don't pay attention to his power numbers. Pay attention to where he hits the ball. Because when he becomes a spray hitter and uses the opposite side of the field, that's when he's at his best. And I'll just bring one other thing, and that is sometimes I think when people – talk about, oh, I wonder how he's going to get in the lineup, how he's going to get in the lineup. My response is always, it's 162 games and people always get hurt. And there was just a couple of years ago, you saw Altuve miss significant time. You saw Correa miss significant time. You saw they went through several injuries. This is going back to 2018. And sometimes you just say, do you know what? Just wait. The the at-bats will show up. If you stay healthy eventually though there will be times where you know Springer may go on the DL or Brantley may get dinged up I and mean, they'll they'll get the times at bat you know and or you know you'll have to shuffle around the designated hitter so I look at him as someone not obviously to use one of your top picks on but if you have to fill out your outfield and you get one of the later rounds he strikes me as someone who could be a nice candidate to fill in your roster so hey I got a question for you though Mr. Brett Chancy. Yes, sir. What are you doing for the game? That's a universal question. Whether you're a casual follower, the tweets everything, the beginner, the diehard, the stat nerd, the smack talker, the appetizer guy, the couldn't care less or that makes everything into a competition person like Josh Reddick, we all have our place in the sports world. The same personalities apply to fantasy sports and League Commish exists to ensure your fantasy sports experience is the best one for you. We match managers to leagues as we lay the foundation for your new league. It's as easy as sign up with your preferences, get match, and approve that match before any commitment on your end. Sign up with League Commission by February 29th. That's right. We've extended February by one day for this offer and receive. 15% off by entering in the code locked on in the referred by section on the sign up form. The first 25 people to sign up using our code receive their first match for free. So, what are you doing for the game? Find your next fantasy sports league at leaguecommission.com. Okay, one of the things that we were kind of starting to hint at at the previous minute is, and, and I want to have this said out loud with an Astro fan on the line with me. And that is, I don't think this is an Astros only problem. And I think anyone who thinks that's absolutely cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and is falling for the same trap as the people who thought it was just Jose Canseco and two other people doing PEDs. Now, 
I wonder, now this is, this. I'm putting my tinfoil hat on, okay? I'm wandering over to Dealey Plaza looking for clues at this point. I'm getting crazy. But I can't help but wonder if one of the reasons why the Red Sox were so quick to want to dismantle the team and get people off the team was because they had some sort of knowledge that some of the people involved in the dump to Los Angeles were going to get suspended. I mean, it, 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 the trade made no sense. Made the, the, It's fractally stupid. That is, the more you look into it, the closer you see the stupid parts are actually made up of other stupid parts, and those parts are also made up. It's like so it gets more and more stupid the more you examine it. And so I can't help but wonder if they're finding out that there's something going on with the Red Sox and some hanky panky that the Red Sox were like, let's get something for this now before everyone, before uh, this proverbial spaghetti hits the fan. Am I just sounding like a crazy person or is that? No, I no. that's, that's actually a really, um, that's really not a bad theory when you, I mean that, um, cause I, the first thing I thought of honestly was not the Mookie Betts part, but the David Price part. I'm like, wait, are they just try? Are they trying to unload this horrible David Price contract because it is a horrible contract? And then this is what this is what it was interesting to me was when I saw the video footage of Bellinger running next to Mookie Betts because Bellinger, you know, came out and absolutely blasted the Astros over this cheating oh, yeah. thing yeah. and he was so offended and he was on this high horse and he, you know, you had just tarnished his good name. Yeah. And I'm like, Hmm, I wonder if him and Mookie had a heart to heart. And I wonder if when Mookie got there, he's like, Hey, look, dude, I'm just trying to get out of the smoke. There's fire over there. I'm trying to get where things are clear. But what you say makes a lot of sense because, and even where the deal, like, have you ever seen a three team deal where like all of a sudden they're bungling physicals and minor league players aren't making it. And they're like, Oh, well they're in, they're out. And like, honestly, at first I didn't know the twins were even in it until I started really looking into it. Cause this news cycle stuff happens during our oh, yeah. day. And I mean, that makes sense. I, I, I just, there's gotta be something here, but here's the thing. Sully, I don't think that they're going to suspend any players from Boston. I don't, I don't think you, like you said, once you, once you kind of set, because Manfred said, I don't want to set precedents. Well, he did set a precedent. He didn't suspend anybody. Yeah. That, that's the great irony by not, that is a precedent. You're right. You know, it's like, don't you understand? It's kind of like, you know, you understand that, that it's like, (laughs) if you, don't do something that is the precedent it is and, and it's kind of like when someone says let me let me give you the general specifics you know it's like what it doesn't make any sense and now what i've been saying and screaming for on here and and i've i know that a statement has been has been floating around from the players association i think this has to be done in house in the players association i think they have to do something from there because the the okay i've always again i have to put this this 
caveat on because I'm old enough, I think you're old enough too, to remember when there were labor strikes and when there was work stoppages. And I've always sided with the players because the owners were found guilty of collusion. The owners were found guilty of things that were like, I don't, when they're saying you're losing money, oh, we have to contract uh, uh, franchises, but we're also having an expansion. Those two things don't work together. You know, well, I mean, is it so bad we're going to contract or is business so good we're going to build upon it? Of course, part of that was they got expansion fees that helped pay for the penalties of the collusion. But that's that's uh, that's a whole different podcast to go down. I've tended to side with the players on these matters, but that doesn't mean I think that the Players Association is infallible or without error. And I think one of the great errors that they committed was that they took the stance to totally protect the players who were using PEDs in the late 1990s, early 2000s, leaving the players who weren't kind of out to twist in the wind, that they were protecting the people who broke the rules as opposed to protecting those who played by them. And I think it would be a colossal error especially with the specter of a potential labor fight to make that same mistake, especially when you're seeing so much venom and anger amongst the players who are saying, hey, they, they ripped us off and everything. And, it's, and this is different, I think, than PEDs in that PEDs is almost an individual thing. This was a team thing organizationally organizationally that's a better way of putting it that's a better way of putting it and i think it's i think i don't know how to do it uh i'm actually unlike what some people believe i am not the head of the players association i do they do not have me sit in in negotiations but they have to do something they can't play the we're going to protect everyone card they have to stand up and show the players that they've got their back what everyone's probably terrified of is what this will lead to and and how many stones will turn around and how many teams did this really affect? Right. You know, John, John Smoltz, I think said it best a few days ago. Mm -hmm. He said the major league baseball players have to be careful what they're asking for, because if they are themselves caught in the same boat that those who are accused of doing this, you know, they're basically caught red handed as well. Mm-hmm. then what they're doing is they're asking for that, for that basically to be applied to them as well. Now that's, that's, that's really kind of a liberal paraphrase of what he said, I, but, but, I, was, it, but it's, it's more or less the, the intent of it. And, yeah. and, and, you know, and again, you know, um, we know that sign stealing goes on at every, every level. We know that this happens. We know that it's kind of a part of the game. It's a chess match. Um, you know, you have the old school mentality. Um, you should have changed your sign. You know what I'm saying? And maybe that's, maybe, maybe that's Major League Baseball's 2020 theme, should have changed your sign. You know, I could be their marketing director, Sully. I'm just saying. Ooh. I've got a lot of ideas. <laughs> we got we to get to work on this. All right, man. Well, look at um, – remember last spring training when it was so boring? That nobody oh, would sign Machado, no one would sign Harper, no one would sign Keuchel. And I was like, oh, man, what a snooze. I'm, you know, I don't know how we're going to even fill up a podcast episode. And ay, ay, ay. Well, look at folks. Um, it's going to be interesting. 
it's going to be an interesting year. I remember it was the weekend of the Super Bowl and people were talking about baseball and, uh, well, let's get to it. I can't remember more chatter and more intrigue in a spring training ever than this one. So, well, uh, and I got to say, I know you don't want to hear this, but thank God the Nationals won. Because if all this was going around about the defending World Series champion, you think it's bad now, Brett? Imagine if you were the defending world champs. I'm sorry. Maybe that's why Hinch didn't bring Garrett Cole into that game. Maybe that's why I said, do you want? Maybe just someone better throw a meatball to Howie Kendrick and we can avoid a little bit of this. You know, this is, uh, you know, I, I've just got to say, if this was about the defending world champions and you don't like the S show that it is now, oh, boy. Man, that, that would have, well, you know, that would have been, and you know what's interesting, and I don't know if the national um, fan base realizes this, and Houston were very tuned to it. Mm-hmm. Houston and Washington share the same facility. And they have said things on the airwaves about each other. Strasburg said, <laughs> I you know, forgot that. I totally yeah, forgot that. Strasburg, get forgot this. Strasburg said, you know, one day when I have grandchildren, I'll be able to sit down and tell them that I don't have any problems with the way we won the World Series. And I'm like, wow. So shots are being fired yep. subliminally. And it, I mean, I really wish I was going to spring training this year and I'm going to try to make it down spring break. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think they're all pros. At the end of the day, they're going to have to make amends because if they don't, um, things can, things have potential to get um, somewhat dangerous on the field and heated. And we know how grown men are when our egos get in the way. Lord knows I do. All right. Well, look at, tell people where they can listen to you. They can listen to me on Locked On Astros, Apple, Google, and Spotify, Um, even Stitcher. You can find me on Twitter at H-Town Wheelhouse. And also, I run a really successful Facebook page called Strohs411. Always positive, always Strohs. So check it out. Well, look at Brett. Uh, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having an honest conversation. And, uh, you know, be prepared. Not everyone is going to be as even-tempered as your pal Sully. <laughs> interacting with you by the way i'm looking uh we're using zoom right now and uh, i'm seeing that you have the mark mcguire jersey hanging back there but you also have the battle of the bay is that an 89 world series poster you have behind you it is it is from a footlocker store that i talked into taking down my freshman year i rolled it up and it's been in the frame ever since wow it is a limited edition nike poster with will clark and mark mcguire well i happen to be in the bay area uh i was at my parents house in palo alto i was a senior in high school in palo alto california during the 89 world series and wow and uh, i was alone in the house setting up a videotape for my pop who has been a giants fan since they were the new york giants and it was the first home world series game for the san francisco giants since 1962 when that earthquake hit and that was uh and then it hit and all of a sudden the world series took back was not on the front page anymore after that I but i just you. but that was uh that was really that was quite a year to be a baseball fan in the bay area if i could end on this um because we weren't an interleague league back then 
I was a big Mark McGuire fan growing up. So the only way we could watch them is when they played the Rangers. So my dad and I made a trip every year for two series when they played Oakland. And um, that's when I fell in love with watching Mark McGuire play and Ricky Henderson and got to meet a lot of the players and that, and that was something I'll never forget. Uh, Mark McGuire to this day is still my all time favorite player. Even as an Astros fan, I've never departed his side. My favorite is, well, my favorite's Pedro. I'm, I'm such a Pedro Martinez fan as a, as a Red Sox fan, but uh, I saw many a games at the Oakland Coliseum during the, the Tony La Russa, uh, the, we're recording this on Dave Stewart's birthday, Dave Stewart mm. and Ricky Henderson and Bob Welch and Carney Lansford and McGuire, Conseco, Dave Parker, Terry Steinbach. God, I hated that team. They kicked the Red Sox butts. They played yeah. the Red Sox in two ALCSs and the Red Sox couldn't get one win. Oh, what and I was Walt there. Weiss. Walt Weiss. Yes. And they just, and they, and they just, there's a parade of players of talent, whether it was, they had Stan Javier and they had Mike Gallego and Glenn Hubbard and Tony Phillips, who was one of the most underrated players in the game and Dave Henderson and, and, you know, uh, Mike Moore and, and that great bullpen of Rick Honeycutt and Gene Nelson and Eckersley and, mm. and, oh man, such great depth they had on that team and hated them. Hated them. <laughs> they, they always kicked my team's butts. My two favorite teams are the Red Sox and the Giants. And between 1988 and 1990, the Red Sox and Giants played the A's in 12 postseason games, and the A's went 12-0. and Wow. That's an <laughs> insane run. Yep. Yes, it was. But my hat tip to them because they were that good. Okay, hey, uh, we've, we've gone off the rails a little bit, but that's fine. Uh, Brett Chancy, thanks for being a, a impromptu guest here on the uh, Lockdown MLB podcast. We've been trying to get you on for a little bit, so we finally aligned. Things finally lined up today. You can follow me at the free and easy to use Himalaya podcasting app. Follow us on Lockdown MLB underscore net on Twitter. We're at Lockdown MLB on Instagram. And listen to all the great shows. They're all terrific. And we now have for all 30 shows, welcome Locked On Tigers, welcome Locked On Padres, and some of the ones that we did have last year. This has been the Locked On MLB show for the 20th day of February 2020. Twos across. 20s across. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. <laughs>